0: Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at hero.co with code HERO10 at checkout. That's HERO10 at H-E-R-O.co. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? And stop. Put your hand in the box. I've your neck. The gondry box
1: mind killer and here's the little death that brings total
2: liberation but i will face my fear i will need it to pass over me and for me the duke will die before these eyes and he'll know he'll know that it is i and Vladimir harkonnen who encompasses his doom <laughs> the sleeper
0: oh, awakens
1: oh, so what's the what's the ipad in dune what do they call it
3: iPad in Dune. They kind of do. They have like a... By then they had no... Well, they didn't have... Well, they have like crystal sheets. Yeah. They have those crystal sheets that they use to store many, many, many different types of filaments of iPad. information. No, it's not a fucking iPad because they specifically don't have machines because of the butlerian jihad. Is this how we're going to start? Like legitimately? Because it's important to remember a beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. <laughs> and that's why beginnings... You see, oh, most fragile time, which is why we're handling them like one would handle two precious
1: eggs, right, Holden? Eggs, eggs, indeed. Uh, they must be handled on a spoon or using. If it's a race, delicate. Be- yes, if you're racing and there's an Easter bunny, there nearby. often is. Yes, and Christ is of course
3: not there. He doesn't. He isn't real. I'm soon. glad we started like this. <laughs> Welcome. To LPN's Deep Dives, this time featuring Dune? It's Dunecast.
1: Uh, I think we should begin and end every single episode with this quote in unison. Are you ready? Sure. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration.
3: I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And cast. Hello. I am God Emperor Henry Zabrowski with my, I want to say, human wife. (laughs) Holden McNeely, I have a wife.
1: Yes, I have a
3: wife. I make but she love has, to. as
1: you know, she is a sort of a robot person, right? And I, I, I developed the human her. version. Yeah, you're the Telexlu.
3: Don't <laughs> you already murder the name? But today we begin our descent. Into Dune. Uh, The Books of Dune. Six in total is what we will be covering. The
1: original Sextology. Is that how you'd call it? Sextology. And then, of course, his son, using his notes, wrote the final one. And then there's also, of course, a prequel, which actually- There's many prequels. There's many prequels, but but there's a prequel trilogy that kind of concerns a lot of our key players that we're going to be introducing today at the start of this first episode of DuneCast. Now, to get
3: you started, first of all, because Spotify, our beloved ascended masters at Spotify have asked us to please begin to try to explain the plot of Dune for people that have not (laughs) read Dune. So first of all, because remember, I'm the God Emperor. This is my universe. I am bringing Holden McNeely against his will into my
1: universe. Much like a Duncan Idaho Gola, if you are familiar with the books. And if you're not... I don't know what to tell you man I don't know. you got a ways to go you're to at the very even that fact you're at the
3: very <laughs> bottom of the mountain <laughs> So I think because I'm bringing Holden McNeely into my world, I'm forcing him to read all of the Dune books yes. for the first time in order for me to have someone to speak to about it on microphones because so I can finally get out of my system. I can finally get all of this whole topic away from my family. Yes. I can get away from my other friends. And I can just put it all squarely on the shoulders of Holden McNeely and the listeners at home.
1: Now, I will say that I actually started this journey, let's call it, because it is a journey of it the is. mind. Uh, a mental odyssey. Years ago, and and I picked up this book literally sure. to say, I, I told you this too, back in the day, which is I think what kind of the beginnings of what led to this. I picked up Dune and read it to understand Henry better. You, I mean, specifically why I did it.
3: Everyone's asking to understand me better, and I can't tell you guys more, that all of the clues to my personalities are left to on various locations all over the world <laughs> and different pieces of content that I've been on. If you just parcel through each single thing that I've said, done, eaten and experience you will see the true me but you have to kind of put it all together right in a way I, I, sense.
1: I, I had been through extensive stuff for this I had seen every you know all the comedy series he loves mm-hmm. I got access to his porn hub history you to saw understand it. his masturbation top search top, but worm god yep fucks big schoolgirl. girl yep
3: that's my favorite. Worm God <laughs> fucks big girl. It's my favorite way to go. That's how we, I always just, because I like to challenge right. Pornhub.
1: Give it to me. Right. You know, change.
3: See what I see like what the par- comedy the
1: parody uh, porns. My, the Seinfeld. And he does. Ninja Turtles or whatever. But you sort of enjoy this kind of worm fetish.
3: I, it's not about the worm fetish. It's about the man inside of the costume. And that's what this entire thing, Dune, <laughs> is about. <laughs> yes. It's about the man inside of the worm costume. But, yes. but we won't get to God Emperor of Dune until episode. Episode five. So just so you know, it's a little bit more of an intro. We are going to be covering the main book of Dune, Dune One, over these first four episodes. Basically, we're going to be talking about topics associated with the first book. Um, And just so you know, all 600 pages of Dune One. It's just the fucking appetizer. Dude. Yes,
1: that's the intro to the whole world. You were just telling me this before we started. I think it's very important. And, but the reason why we're going to spend so many episodes on it is we do have to build this world. But at the same time, if you just read the first book and you're like, oops. I Or congrats. Yeah, look at me. I went, dude. Yeah, wow. You're fucking not even you close. Like a turd. On the tip of an ice cream cone. Technically, you're useless.
3: the book one of Dune technically is the, it is the best book of the sextology, but it's also <laughs> just the very beginning. Yes, because the real story of Dune does not begin until book two. Yes, so just to kind of set the scene, Dune one begins with a very tenuous transition between two houses deep in space. You've got House Atreides and House Harkonnen. They are both fighting over what is supposed to be one of the most valuable pieces of property in the universe, if not the most valuable piece of property in the universe, which is Arrakis, Dune, the sand planet, home of the Spice. No water there, though, so there's a lot of fights back and forth. But Dune 1 is the pretty classic action-adventure sci-fi story of the hero's journey, of Neo, right? Essentially Neo, Paul Atreides is a good guy versus the classic bad guys, the House Harkonnen, you know, like the Baron, Vladimir Harkonnen, who honestly, if you reread the book, is actually a lot more sympathetic than you think he'd be. Mm. Um, And it's about just the story of, oh, you know, a little boy who gets this quote unquote terrible purpose thrust upon him who is forced to now fight all these big bad guys. And I'm going to spoil it for you. He wins. But guess what? When you win an entire planet, you don't just get like a bunch of fun shit. It's not like roller coasters and just getting blown all the time. You also win all of the problems with being a god profit king and being in charge of the most valuable I want to say transport device is what transport device drug cocaine food. yeah it's, it's cocaine and it. oil. It's yes. and it also it can make you live forever, it yes. can make you psychic, it can make you all this shit. To and now you're yeah. you completely in charge of it. And what comes from that?
1: Yes, exactly, and that's why it was one of those situations for me personally when I read the first book that I it was I'm going to go ahead and say a bit of a slog for this guy for the first several hundred pages. You're weak. Then I got into it. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, I, I was like, I was. It was one of those weird feelings. There's got to be like a German word for it. I was so excited to finally finish this thing. Clump yeah, to clump. Yeah, clump to clump. I had serious clip to clump, and I I also had this feeling of not just relief that I was finished, but also this almost horrific. Curiosity, the fact that I knew now that I was set upon a path that I had to fully go through till completion that the next book would be opened and read which was something that i actually was not expecting i really thought i was just gonna read the first one Mm-mm. and then i'd heard about the well, t- intubated children or whatever happens in the sixth one play either way
3: laxu books five and six just to kind of you know immediately an insulting sum up of books five and six immediately is that it is it's muppet babies in space like that's a we'll get to there
1: but also the first book really is the classic hero's journey and is the most structurally like a a, a normal big sci-fi, sci-fi epic right yeah. and and it is the a new hope i was saying to you earlier it's like dune is star wars a new hope But then instead of, like, moving on to Empire Strikes Back, like, Messiah and everything after it is, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? It
3: is. We get done with the how fun and great the Messiah is (laughs) in book one. Yeah. It is done. Which is also why I was so specifically attracted to Dune. But I... wanted to understand like the idea of like getting into the head of a superhero. If yep. you read The Maker of Dune, it's another collection of fun essays by the author of Dune, Frank Herbert. I don't know if we've even said his name. The best beard in sci-fi next to PKD. It's him, Philip K. Dick. Holy shit, that's a lot of friction. If they were to kiss each other, what wow. a fucking stinky what campfire would that would How be.
1: How much cocaine would be shared between their Frank nostrils. Frank
3: Herbert was a famous
1: teetotaler. I think
3: he might have had a drink or two. He might have had a drink or two, but PKD
1: was not. PKD. Oh yeah. yeah. God. He liked it. Rigid. He liked it. it. He liked to get rigid, as he called
3: it. But he wrote a essay, Frank Herbert, called Dangers of the Superhero, where he basically outlines what he thought of as the idea behind the structure of Dune and the idea, where Dune came from. And his concept, the, the leitmotif of Dune, is the what happens when you put the responsibilities and your fate in the hands of a superhero who just so happens to also be a human being. Because in the world of Dune, there are no smart machines. There are no computers. There are no, uh, this is not hard sci-fi. There is no descriptions of like massive ships or technology or different alien races. This is an entirely human future that completely lies on the choices and the mistakes that humans can make. So they look at this superhero, Paul Atreides, who will begin to describe in further and further detail, as you'll see. I love him, but he's a child. He begins the entire series as a undernourished 15-year-old boy that has this sort of, uh, he has godhood put on him from a bunch of people, essentially a a system of space eugenics, because that's what the Bene Gesserit are doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you say the words Bene Gesserit, that's a whole giant can of worms. Talking about the whole humanization, though, of a godhead, before we even get into the... Witch women's guild. A
3: witch women's guild is important <laughs> because we might get into the witch women's guild today. We the Betty to Well, we
1: have to talk about Jessica Paul's mother, who mm-hmm. spoiler alert is a member of the Betty Gessler. She's spicy too, uh, just from the descriptions.
3: Do you get horny from books?
1: Um, that's an excellent question. I think there are definitely moments I have been horny in books. Unfortunately, like. Um, oh, I don't want to say Bukowski's women, but Disgusting. He talked, he talked about You're a lot. Bad. of are bad. Sort of You're sex a bad stuff person. or whatever. You know what I mean? And they're pissing on each other and they're laughing about it. And yeah, that yeah, can be yeah. Kind of fun. Oh, God, the rabbit novels got me horny, horny, too. That's actually. weird. That's also a there strange was piss play. That said and that. Rabbit is Rich, I believe, which was actually, I was like, maybe I should try that.
3: So you just straight up said that the two scenes that made you arouse from <laughs> literary history involved piss play. They're
1: in the shower already, it's clean technically to do it i'm
3: the god emperor here (laughs) i'm the one who needs to be showered in pee
1: and i'm just a pebble of sand in your fucking world
3: yeah bro and everybody's staring at the god emperor does he have a penis does he have a penis but we'll get to that what is dune all right Dune. (laughs)
1: let us begin uh yeah so i like where we were headed i think i think what we it's two houses divided Yes. I think one of my main, that we even had in our notes, Duke Leto is Biden, Harkonnen is Trump, Emperor is Putin. I
3: think that that is just a note we wrote. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not going to fully go into it as I, because then I started thinking about it because then I was like, Paul Atreides is Hunter Biden? Like, <laughs> no, he's
1: not. Um, So
3: that is not, that's not really there. Okay. And it's more but, about, but Maybe why this. we
1: said that is just that Leto seems to be a wiser sage, less indulgent, more... Well,
3: Well, let's break it down. Let's yeah. break it down. So the planet Arrakis has been um kind of fought over for many generations. When we arrive
1: at the very beginning it's of doom... It's Iran, dim. essentially. It's...
3: I would I mean? say, well, because Frank Herbert says the spice is not oil, because in my mind, I always considered... There's a lot of ecological and economical themes in Dune. Oh, and I also want to say, again, at the very top of this, we are not English professors.
1: We are not book reviewers. We are not literary theorists. We are just here to have a good time and talk Dune. I am packing an average six inches that I have never gotten complaints with, but I am in no way an expert in sex or books.
3: He's not. Definitely books. (laughs) Um, but we are here to just have a fun time talking about Dune, so we're going to try to figure this shit out. Because Frank Herbert, obviously, there is like there is shit inside of Dune that's ecologically minded and economically minded, but that's the stuff that I'm not that fucking interested in. Right. But the uh, spice on Dune is this very, very important... What would you use? It's a strategic resource. Well, and I love that it's more than oil. To use sieve, it's more than,
1: I, I love that it is has these drug qualities to it. Yes. It does make it go. It, he sets, all right, what he's doing essentially in this first book is setting up all these little seeds that will grow into these giant, wormy trees by the fourth book and so a big part of the spice is is that a it's highly addictive yes b we should mention that people's eyes go full blue blue within blue
3: your irises become blue and the whites around your eye become so you completely blue you know when
1: somebody is like Fully hooked on this, and also
3: if you are one of the native people who live on Arrakis, one of the Fremen. The Fremen—they haven't even said are... the
1: word Fremen yet, but yes. there's a lot to unpack so, here. But but they are kind of the yes, we'll get into the Fremen for sure as well. But either way, and it is a drug, but it's more than a drug. I mean, I guess you could almost cool. liken it to peyote or or it's something everything. like that, where it it opens up your consciousness. Yes, it it can take you to new layers to a dangerous degree, much like someone would go insane if they say ate too much of the uh, of that acid. Ayahuasca acid, or
3: something. I, the, actually, the br- that's actually a, a fallacy. That story, know, the brown yeah. acid, actually, was just, it was bad acid. you yeah. said, "Don't take it because you was, won't get not high." Not very good. Yeah. Then people were like, "Oh." Ooh, fuck, oh man, when they told them not oh. to take it, um, and so this. <laughs> Resource is only available on Arrakis. And they don't know why it's only available on Arrakis, as you'll see. There's a lot of questions about why only on this planet. They learn
1: why, right? Yes,
3: absolutely. And they also, there's no way to synthetically reproduce it. They They seem to not be able to figure it out. It is only on this planet. And now, there's been an ongoing house war between House Atreides and House Harkonnen. Now, House Atreides, symbolized by the Red Hawk, Duke Leto. Man, hawk of feature, dark, swarthy, strong, able leader, lawful good, if we're going to use D&D uh, categories.
1: Does he, do they, and this might be getting too into the weeds because honestly, it's not that, that important, the backstory of like their political reign. You say this, I say this too,
3: but then all of a sudden in my mind, I start to think and try to spell it out and you realize there's a whole bunch of shit with the landsrab yes, and
1: Joe. Do they have planets? Where are they coming from? Like in terms of before, because okay, what you need to know is, House Atreides and Harkonnen, who we'll describe in just a second, they've been buttonheads and kind of- for a while. For and a they, they, they,
3: the Atreides, live on the beautiful planet Kaladin, which opposite is opposite of Arrakis, absolute opposite. It's got you know rainforest, It's very temperate. It's gorgeous. They like live in these like big sort of what they describe these big like lodges. It sounds really nice. Um, Duke Leto is not married. His main concubine is a woman named Jessica, who is a witch. Would well, the the witch is technically a derogatory term for members of the Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit. Is a group of women that yeah, are they call, highly they trained. Say the,
1: in the book, they don't say witch. They say the W word. They
3: say the W <laughs> word, and it's important because you will get hashtag canceled on Arrakis <laughs> if you call him a witch. But the uh, Frank, I canceled.
1: We mean a giant worm will devour <laughs> you out of cheery oh, crowd. Take me, take me. <laughs> God, that would be fucking sweet to die by worm, dude. That'd be so sweet to that's slide down in where, his guts. That's where you and I diverge as people. I'm going to slide down. I'm going to
3: come out of this fucking little asshole, man. That'd be cute as hell, because then you're spice. Yeah. Oh, that's,
1: a secret. Out, that's a secret. That's a secret. That's a secret. The worms did it. And yeah. we shouldn't have
3: busted it. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babel's quick ten-minute lessons are handcrafted by over two hundred language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow! I just got to learn all the rest, and eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babel. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash l e f t. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um, But Frank Herbert, love him to death, right? This is a guy, very smart. Uh, don't look too deep into his politics. <laughs> but he has a man, he's handsome. Um, we look very similar. He is same body, great body. Um, loved his wife. But the man uh loves strong women. And that's what I think is nice about Dune, is that Dune has this yes. ribbon through it of very strong, very capable, very dangerous women. Yes. Duke Leto has essentially been assigned by this group, Benigesseret, right? Which is they essentially control all bloodlines, what they call they're trying to achieve balance. Because the Benigesseret say that their jobs are politics, which means they go and create using a series of these Benny Jesseret trained women that they marry and position in high places. And what they do is they take their progeny, all of their children, and their goal is to create what they say in their mind, this thing called the quitsack hatterak, which and is yes. essentially it's
1: Neo, right? It's the it's a dude Benny okay, which Okay, and it has to be a male. It has to, to be a be male. The thing. And normally they're popping out girls. They're only
3: doing girls. But what happened was is that Jessica fell so deeply in love with Duke Leto and knew that the only thing that Duke Leto wanted in this world was a son. And with the first human impulse that starts at the very beginning of Dune, you see that not only is the generations of control that the Bene Gesserit have held over many different houses of the Landsrat, which is the union of all the different planetary houses, they've held this power for so long, and it was done over in a simple act of gushing inside.
1: Now, my question is this. Can the Benny jesuit just choose the what the gender of the baby yes, is? That's they
3: have total bodily control. And no
1: one explained to them that it's a construct.
3: No, no, they know it is. They are oh, not. Okay. Su- no, the Benny Jesurit. Was- oh, thank you. Oh, it's a saying. Oh, you're trying to throw to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm you're trying, trying to, to fucking throw I'm to I'm trying me. Trying to get you
1: fucked up. Oh, you want to get me fucking
3: crazy? <laughs> I have a lot of coffee today.
1: I mean, I, I will say, by the way, you know, coming from, I think, not the same place that we're looking at gender nowadays, gender actually does come into play in a huge way. I mean, even in the fourth book with the all-woman army. Oh, and yeah, is, and that's is, sexy as hell,
3: man. This is honestly, this is just sort of like what I've always wanted. The idea of being yeah. a god emperor yeah. in charge of all of these like buxom Amazon warrior women, yeah, yeah. that's like my fucking sweet
1: spot. And, dude. and there were thoughts towards, that's jumping away ahead, but there are thoughts towards Having an all-female army and as h- how that is superior to an all-male army based on kind of notions about well, male and female, which is fascinating kind of an interesting thought. We'll get uh, to it, but Leto too
3: specifically said men are too emotional to be good warriors. Yes. Uh, which I think is very interesting. Same thing with the Benny Jesseret. So Duke Leto and, and don't worry about the fact
1: that he just said Leto 2. We're not gonna worry about that at oh, all. Oh, yeah, you should. That was another <laughs> ah, it's a heart. Don't talk about this shit.
3: But so Jessica's in love with Duke Leto. Yes. She lets him gush inside and she gives him a son, Paul. Now, Paul was not supposed to be born. Paul uh, is a young man. that Also, he immediately seems to have innate abilities that other kids don't have. He has... uh, dreams that can see the future. He is very good at um, immediately accepting Benny Jesuit teachings because he starts teaching him very, very early on all the tricks and trades of the Benny Gesserit. The thing is that this was all not supposed to happen. And everyone kind of knows it was not supposed to happen. But Duke Leto is super happy because he has an heir and it's all ready to go. So right now, this is the, the very beginning is that Duke Leto has defeated House Harkonnen in essentially what they did some kind of interwar they have, and they have a thing in Dune called Conley, which is a type of I don't know how you'd put it. It's parlay. So when two people, like, when you have an official, the emperor, like, so there's an emperor of the entire universe, right? The emperor sort of sanctions these houses to have wars with each other. And then they enter into a term, a series of conditions called Conley. They're having this war over Dune. And they basically said, okay, the emperor came in. Y'all, it's over. Atreides won officially. So that means, a Atreides, you all get the very special real estate, grand of you are now the Duke of Arrakis right so Duke Leto has this shit kind of thrown onto his lap you are now in charge of Arrakis which is something he didn't even really want right? because he knew as you read in the book as soon as he finds out that he's supposed to be the Duke of Arrakis he's like I'm fucked yes. because it is what
1: it's like getting uh, hand of the king in Lord of the uh, Game of Thrones. Actually, they always it's, it's die. The same thing. Like no one ever has a good time being hand of the king. It's always like a weird jail sentence, even though it's a high position of power.
3: Well, it's because he also knows in a little bit that I've been put into a trap because the Duke Lido's yeah. up against the Baron Harkonnen. The Baron Harkonnen is a he's cute, <laughs> and he's fun, and he
1: is uh, there's nothing he likes better. Than a nice, sweet, fresh young boy. So can you actually describe what he really looks like as opposed to cute and fun? Because it's definitely- He
3: is an immensely fat- Um, covered with boils, yes. loves human flesh. He he has people like he has people attached to him, like guys that come up to him, he's like, Let me have your heart, let me have your heart. And then you pop open like a can of Pringles on their chest and blood pumps out, and then he fucking licks it and eats it. And he
1: just loves little boy cum. He's just the ultimate uh, indul- it, all uh so, indulgence a of indulgence. And he's, he, he is he, Epstein times a hundred. A billion, and he's on
3: suspenser lifts because he's so fat that he can't move so he's on these suspensor lifts I don't know if you've seen the David Lynch Dune at home when he that fucking great scene where he goes mm. ah, ha, 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 and starts spinning on the ceiling and shit right. which is the only fucking that's me dude <laughs> when I got news of we sold dune cast I went ah, ha, 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 and I floated to the ceiling and I went we wee, wee all the way home and by that I
1: mean I pissed as I walked home <laughs> that's actually yes, I like to leave a, a problem a, I, I call it leaving my snail trail
3: uh, that's uh, a, that's actually already a term yeah, that's oh, more that's of right. a, yeah, I would just call that your fucking, your deek leaked <laughs> eye to use a little bit of Arakeen. Um, <laughs> that's my Arakeen.
1: So, Harkuna, but you, also the emperor himself, uh, uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit more, is really the one fucking uh,
3: Well, that's where you Lido. really get to. When you you read it, the very beginning of Dune has a sort of like breakdown of like just how and what way they are fucking with Leto, right? Because Leto's a goody two-shoes. He is lawful good. He is a excellent soldier. He leads by example. His men love him. His women love him. Jessica Mm. desperately wants to be married to him, but he can't marry his concubine. That's what they call them. He can't marry Jessica because if he does, it takes him off the plate for other people because basically he's trying to do strategic weddings to somebody else within the Landsrad to like shore up Allyship. That's a
1: big part of this whole series is not particularly being married or having babies with a person you're actually in love with or necessarily even like because you just need to create these heirs and create these lineages. That is
3: literally marriage before 1965. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. It's the same shit. But so he can't marry her. So he's trying to do it the right way. But guess what? no one really likes a fucking Goody Two Shoes yeah. because you know what happens? It's that Duke Leto who shows up and he has all these ideas of like, uh, I want to do regulations and uh, I want to clean up all the corruption and all the smugglers because what you're going to find out is that there's a thing called chome. There's a lot of like economic shit inside of Dune that I just kind of, my eyes kind
1: of glaze over yes. but it's important to understand. And she- makes for really good real time strategy games and we'll talk about that in the video Can't game. wait. Exactly. Can't fucking wait because
3: it. yeah, it's the stuff that doesn't bore me in Civ
1: 6, but bores me in a book. Yeah, in a fun sci-fi epic, yeah. Yes,
3: but he uh, essentially... There are smugglers that have been fucking... Everybody's getting a cut off of Dune. The thing is, what was nice about having Harkonnen in charge of Dune is that everybody was getting a fucking piece, yeah. right? Everybody's going in, smuggling in and out. And the emperor himself, even the emperor, is so interested in keeping his own piece of the smuggling that's going on Dune, which is people like siphoning off the top, because what they're trying to do, like the real... it's This is where it gets into kind of economics. Because their goal is to create so much their own holds of spice, right? That's kind of what I understand My upon my fifth rereading of Dune, I started to t- start to understand yeah. the economic part of it, which is that, Harkonnen and the Emperor understood the only way to get independence from Arrakis because that's what they're desperate for. They're so sick of whoever's in charge of Arrakis, so they're working on getting their own storehouse of the space because from then, whoever's had the Duchy of Arrakis has had far too much power, and the Emperor doesn't like dealing with anybody who's below him having too much power, and they have all this kind of complicated shit because Chome is like where water comes in and out of Arrakis, which is one way to smuggle. They're fucking with the water on Arrakis, tightening the leash on whoever's there by basically saying you're going to give me what you want or I'm not going to fucking give you water. But it turns out there might be more water on Arrakis than they Ooh. thought. And there are also people saying like, oh, I just don't want to deal with anybody on this planet. So we need to have so much money. It's so much, I say money, I mean spice, that we never have to deal with these motherfuckers ever again, kind of like a Bezos situation or a Musk situation, why people acquire so much capital, because the point is is to essentially become, within your own country, your own
1: little country he who has the spice has controls the, the universe, controls it all and so, yeah, exactly it's the Tesla of this world or actually, I guess rather, it's the Amazon of this world, because, you know, it's sort of like how people serotonin goes up every time they get a dumb fuck package in the mail Yes, a two day cycle,
3: so now Conley has been instituted so the fucking Duke has got control of Arrakis he, what Vladimir Harkonnen calls it which I love the ultimate man trap because he knows that he has the Leto deep in his hands because the one thing that starts at the very beginning of the book they're all just talking about how Duke Leto's just dead. That he might as well be dead. And meanwhile, I was like, that guy's a alive. This is no where, one seems to give a fuck about this Duke This is Lito. where
1: I want to kind of come in and talk about the difficulty for me of the opening pages of this book. And a thing that I have to wrestle with, I think, throughout a lot of different sections of this book, and now I kind of love it about it, is that a lot of it reminds me of dream logic. Yes. Like, Leto is in this situation, he knows he shouldn't be in, and yet he's just going forward with it, and As much as everyone's like, you know you're fucked, right? And he's just like, I am, but I'm just gonna keep going forward. It's like being in a dream where you're like, why am I even in this haunted house? I know the house is gonna kill me, but I'm here because I'm in a dream and I'm like trapped in the dream's momentum.
3: He's also never had a challenge that he's never not surmounted Ah. with his wit, his honor, and his power. So his whole thing is, what he said, the the best part about having a trap is that knowing of the trap is half the battle, right? So he knows he's entering into a trap. But what he doesn't understand I think that now, I'm, oh my! again, this current rereading of it is that he's not in Harkonnen's trap. He's in Jessica's trap. Ah. And he never knew that he was, but Jessica never thought of it as a trap. Right. She never thought that her love for him would actually be the thing that doomed them. But in a way, they thought that when Leto would show up to Arrakis, because again, like the end of Dune 1, it starts with the good guys winning. So the good guys have won. So there's this like kind of flickering thought that mean like, okay, finally, right. somebody who has some sense is going to be taking control over this very important part. Somebody's going to finally go and do all the things that they need to do. And Jessica, I think, is almost in her way kind of like, I... I feel this. I feel this. I feel like even though I'm wise with the Benny Gesserit feeling, I know that like, well, maybe if anybody can see his way out of this bullshit, it's him. It's my Duke. My Duke will figure it out. But she doesn't understand that when she gave him Paul, she fucked up this whole thing because now we're back to Paul. Paul, the very beginning of this book is dreaming. He's there. He's asleep in his bed. Little Timothy um, yeah, I ding dong. Say, imagine Chalamet.
1: imagine Timothy Chalamet sort of reciting Shakespeare <gasps> in his sleep. Yeah.
3: I used to summer in Italy every every year. I, that's my Timothy Chalamet. My Timothy Chalamet ding dong impression it normally involves someone who is too hungry to stand.
1: Another important little tidbit that I didn't catch on to until later is like this actually exists in in a far future of our actual world. Like they so, yes. comment on actual history on Earth. They talk about literature. From you know before times, before times, because between
3: yeah. now and what is our Earth, there was a thing called the Butlerian Jihad, which is a fun name. But the the whole thing was about
1: But Larry, <laughs> but Larry. <laughs> 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 Jihad. It. That's but great. La- Save that. That was yeah. That Save was that brilliant. for your album. <laughs> Uh, oh, let me repeat the joke because I feel like most of you guys didn't get it Larry! There, I have an hard time seeing you guys at the lights, but I'm pretty sure I should have heard louder laughter from the audience at this point in my stand-up special. Larry!
3: Uh, He is having a stream. Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong is actually really good casting for Paul because he's supposed to be 15. He's supposed to be Faye. small for his age. He's clever afoot. And his whole thing is that I would put him as a neutral good because of what goes on in his future. Uh, He is uh, he looks up to his father. He loves his father. Um, But he seems to understand things are not right at the very very beginning.
1: I like you say neutral somewhere in between order and chaos because I think he sees how fucked up full order is. Well because his Duke Duke
3: Leto does that right? He plays plays
1: by the rules and he gets completely spoiler alert ass fucked.
3: Ass fucked. because he was a goody two-shoes and when you find out it's in this world especially in the world of Rackus it's dangerous man and it's not good to be the one person that's trying to like bring everything back to a quote unquote normal because there are a lot of people that lose money when things are brought to a quote unquote normal and I don't know what that's remotely comparison to I don't know what you think
1: what is that like story of this country which again I know it's like a dumb analogy but I think it's why we had that analogy in our notes because it really is that way right like the moment you see someone coming into power who has actual decent intentions or, it, or you think you they think do they do they just get either way they get fucking steamrolled, steamrolled. by the billionaires that have been they incessantly don't give a th- it's the whole thing where how fucked up it is all
3: the smuggling on arrakis is not a bug it's a feature you know what i mean yeah. it's a built-in part of it it's supposed to be a corrupt place so this guy is a fucking mark. Paul, though. It's living a life that he was never supposed to live. And the very beginning is that he wakes up to his mother, big bucks of mother staring mm-hmm.
1: at him. God, just got yeah. so, so
3: hot. I mean, honestly, and Rebecca Ferguson in the movies are, really, oh, are fucking, yeah. She's yeah, fucking cutie patootie She's as well. Um, but they look at him, and he knows something's up. He's immediately thrown into the world of the Benny Gesserit. Now, Paul was not supposed to get any of this training. He was not supposed to be taught how to use the voice, which we'll talk about in a later episode. Um, he was not supposed to know how to truth say, which is one of these other these things.
1: These are all Things, abilities. abilities which like He can powers. see
3: when people are telling the truth. He can tell by the, he can watch your every move. Kind of like the way Sherlock Holmes used to do, where you could tell like, somebody's like profession by the way they walk and shit like that. He's that type. He has that skill set. And he immediately is tested by this Reverend Mother, um, which you'd see excellently parodied in Henry Zabraski's The Characters on Netflix. Um, <laughs> Where he is has to put, this is where the scene the where he puts his hands in the box, right? To find out whether or not he is a human or an animal. So he is threatened by the Gom Jabbar. It's a great, one of my favorite scenes in all literature where he is sitting there. He is forced to put his hand in this box. The Reverend Mother, like who is essentially Jessica's fucking boss, shows up with this thing called the Gom Jabbar, which is essentially like a thimble with a needle on it. Then she presses to his neck, essentially saying, you move from your hand from this box I'm gonna stab you in the neck you're gonna be fucking dead in a second and he's just like oh no cause it's Timothy Chameleon and so he puts his hand in there he experienced such an incredible amount of pain right that he thinks that his skin is boiling and ripping from the bones and he's scrab-
1: I must I must leave it in the box it reminds have you ever seen those red ant bags yeah in that dude that you have to, oh I can feel it myself like I feel the pain myself when I think so about fucking
3: it fucking sweet <laughs> <laughs> he puts his hand in the box. She threads to get him, but because he doesn't remove it, it shows that he is a human and not an animal because an animal would go as far as to chew their own leg off to take themselves out of a trap where mm. a human can see that it's not in fact a trap at all and that when he removes his hand from the box, his hand is completely fine. And he's like,
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> This is fucking. Uh, no. uh, yeah, he becomes Tim the Toolman Taylor. Immediately. And starts hosting a show. Tim Allen
3: should have been Paul Atreides. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, this is my one like thing in Dune. The reason why I love Dune is because I am not. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. I'm a bit of a contrarian. Um, and people would say that sometimes I'm just like not a lot of fun. Like I don't like what other people like. That's what makes me super cool, right? Right. That's super, I'm I'm too edgy for life. Yeah, you're my like,
1: mean devil friend over Fucking I like, like oh. the villains.
3: Yeah. I like I've always been that way since I was a little kid. I've always liked the villains more than the heroes. I think there's a lot of people like that, but I was I always sided with whoever looked the most evil. I love them. But this is a series where I love the heroes because they are not pure heroes. Because pure heroes I don't get. The only pure hero I love is um, Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. (laughs) <laughs> that is the only like, pure hero. And where,
1: even he has, like, he goes, not to, the, a, he goes to the dark side. Or he, because he's, he's the
3: only one who can handle yeah, the dark side yeah, completely yeah. because he's so pure on the inside. Yeah. This shows immediately that there are hinks within this idea of creating a Neo. Because as soon as yes. that Paul shows that he's a human, it's the first sign of, oh no. Is this the aforementioned Quitsahatarak, right? Is this The one, is this the kid? Because everybody's mad at Jessica. She was not supposed to have a son. It fucked up
1: generations
3: of control over DNA lines, right?
1: Well, and I was going to say too, and then it takes that question of- oh, is he Neo? And like, if you think about even the Matrix in the same vein, it's like, do we want to break people out of the Matrix? Is Neo actually a good thing for humanity and the world? And I think that's kind of where the book takes us to and where the rest of the series ends up trying to answer that question. I think that's the fascinating angle to Dune is it doesn't just give you this like Luke Skywalker and give you this amazing hero journey. It totally gives you that. It does. But then it also goes like, yeah, but... Is that actually a good
3: thing? Because I, now I start to wonder because the Benny Gesserit has been talking about this, this quitsa Haderach for so long, right? And this idea, of this, this fabled dude. Because the idea is that the Benny Jesuit they can share memories with each other. So each reverend mother, as they die, has to give their memories to another reverend mother. So anybody that is a trained aid up within the Benny Jesuit shares memories of every only line that is behind them so they can see all of these memories right they have access to this giant collective unconscious um because remember there are no machines so all of these various little groups have decided to train and hone the human mind to act as if they were computers versus just flawed filled goops of shit
1: and Henry's introducing this idea now of being able to delve back into every like ancestral lines, memories, and to inform oneself. This is actually one of the probably most repeated concepts and themes of the entire series. Yes. So that is actually a very important bullet point. And I actually did not realize that began with them and and this thing this concept you're talking about that's
3: why we're doing this fucking show yeah i'll wrestle you to the fucking ground and i'll teach you everything
1: before we started i refuse to allow you to do it again we must wrestle
3: before the end of this limited series (laughs) and see who physically can beat the other see who can get the other person's shoes off yeah and then i guess (laughs) we'll fucking kiss
1: yeah oh man why did i Hey, uh, in front of our wives. Hey, yeah, man-made, that's front row tickets. The Freeman ceremony mm-hmm. that will be complete then, and then we'll drink the water of the worm. Mm-hmm. I already have a worm farm. I've been harvesting dude, in my office. I want to trip balls, department. dude.
3: <laughs> but you see, the Benny Jester can only look into the female line. The quitsack Hatterach, though, can look to where none of them, what they say, the, the unlookable place, which is into the male side. Of all of their memories. It's very gendered. and I don't completely understand why, but this is Frank Herbert's world. We're just living in it.
1: Yeah, completely.
3: So they think, oh God, he might be the Quitsack Hatterack. But this is the thing. They I start to realize they wanted this Quitsack fucking Hatterack. They've been talking about this shit for generations. They've been got one on accident. And then they're super pissed about it they don't want the Paul they don't they're very mad
1: at Jessica for doing this especially the very beginning what does their prophecy foretell a Hatterak doing I think that they like, thought why are they afraid of it
3: because of how powerful this person is the prophecy is it'll, how powerful this person's supposed it'll to steal be their shine but what I don't think that they understood is that when they created a neo why do you think you'd be able to control neo right you created the most powerful entity quote- unquote in the universe. So now you also expect him to be this like funny, like do whatever the fuck it is that you say. Yeah. No, because Paul is immediately he, he's a he's a little brat, right? Again, also perfect for Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong, right? He is a he's a little brat, and he's immediately just being like, I resent what you have all thrust upon me this terrible purpose. There's
1: your hero, ladies and gentlemen. There he is.
3: I <laughs> do not believe the toy. <laughs> Should be at the puppet strings of the beanie jazz and it. And they look at him and they're immediately like, who's this little fucking bitch? Right. Tell me what to do. But they also did not fucking fully read what's going on because the messiah has been born, and the messiah is out the fucking stable, and it is going whether they like it or not.
1: And classically the messiah, and I know we're gonna wait on it's, talking about the Freeman fuck for, shit for later. Oh of dog. course the Messiah is gonna tap into the 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 poor and the the kind of the well, uh, not cast away, but sort of this like massive numbers of desert people. Well, this that is where they get going to flip the whole thing in its head.
3: This is where they really get lumped in the pussy is because when they're putting all of this shit together. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I blowing know. through that.
1: We can keep moving. No, we can keep moving fast. That
3: when they put all of that <laughs> shit together, the Benny Jesserit doesn't just control bloodlines, they also control the religious myths of the entire universe. They have this thing called the Missionary Productivia which is this, they send out members of the Bene Gesserit to all corners of the universe. And what they do is go to various, what they would consider, quote-unquote, primitive civilizations that haven't yet fully gotten the touch of Bene Gesserit. And what they do is insinuate themselves inside of these groups and create myths and mythoses for them to later complete in order to basically fool various races across the world. So what they did... An example is, here on Arrakis, as that it seems that the Fremen already have this, like, as the Duke leader arrives, they have this sort of, like, mumbling thing about how there is supposed to be this this special boy that is born out of, uh, essentially, uh, out of love, but against duty for the Bene Gesserit. There's supposed to be this, like, boy, modi, the desert mouse, which is rifling through the Fremen, but it was placed there by Bene Gesserit, like a millennia ago, but now their profit has shown up. And can you imagine being like this? Is like one thing we were talking about. That like you arrive in Arrakis. Paul has already been told by his mother that your dad's fucking dead here. Nobody cares, right?
1: <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> this is really the truth. And one of the most weirdest things that throw you off right at the very beginning is just like what you think is the main character. Totally the Ned Stark. Right? I hate to make any Game of It's It is very much. I hate to Ned make too many many it Game but he's just the lamb for the slaughter. And you think he's like? I guess you kind of know Paul's the main character. But if you don't know, like I didn't fully know. I thought you know Lido was gonna do a little bit more in this whole thing. Yeah, I thought
3: he'd get more fights. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he seems like a fucking badass, right. and I use um with uh, with. Beak and claw, we will rise above as hawks among lesser birds. Yeah. That's my
1: favorite toast. I do that toast at home. Fantastic. I love it. You think he's going to do some crazy shit. But man, just- he got fucking giddy, giddy, giddy got, dog. Yeah. In and this then- weird way, though, too. Because Frank Herbert can never just have him be stabbed in the back. But that's he's the best gonna, part about Frank he's gotta Herbert. He's got have like a poison capsule in his teeth. Oh, his we'll bench. get there. We'll get there. It's all good. But uh so Paul...
3: He's getting lessons, right? So, you know, he has trainers. So here's, well, let's introduce you to some of the other, f- f- these boys,
1: yeah, dog. Yeah, it's time again, bring the boys. Paul's
3: dog. Da- Paul's dog. Gertie Halleck, who is just the funniest, coolest dude in the motherfucking <laughs> book right Gurney Halleck he's the weapons master he trains Paul this little boy in how to fight they have this thing called like the many wanded fighting tree that's like one of the weird things that David Lynch got right in that movie which is like that tree thing that Kyle MacLachlan fights Mm -hmm. Gurney Halleck trains him on that he's got this ballast which I believe is somewhere between a violin and a guitar that he brings everywhere and he's always kind of fun he's he's the the bard bard. but he's got an inky vine this like scar in the front of his face that comes from being tortured by the Harkonnens, and so he hates
1: Harkonnens.
3: He eats into this fucking his fucking guts. And he is—he's um, played by Patrick Stewart
1: in the movie. Do when you read books, do you imagine actors when you read books? I definitely imagine them if they are, even if I haven't seen the movie. If like I know that they're the character of the movie, but no. And again, like I imagined you as that worm god. Uh, it, but do you would do like
3: because in my mind, because it's like what I'm reading. Do and it's like I I see Kyle McLaughlin obviously as Paul, and then all the other characters from the David Lynch movie Paul, but except I make Dungan, Idaho another one of Paul's buddies who is one of the swashbuckling dude that for some reason is becomes this massive part of the sextology. I don't particularly understand, but as we talk, we will talk more and more about Duncan Idaho.
1: His name pops up again and again, but I imagine him as Carl Urban for some reason. I imagine him, and again, I don't even think about Game of Thrones this much, but it's just been in my head, I guess, but the Onion Thief that guy, the bearded guy that, Ooh, uh, yeah. Yeah, right? that's him, right? That's Gurney Halleck. In my mind, I put him as a Gurney Halleck. Halleck. I see him as Duncan Idaho because he's like weathered. He's, but he's like handsome. been through shit, but he, he's, he's handsome enough, but he's also, and I'm thinking actually, by the way, it's hard because I have to separate it out. The version of Duncan Idaho that is that, the Onion Thief character guy is in like book, that's like book three and book, yeah, Like it's yes. like the weathered, the kind of uh, frustrated, bewildered. But Why we... am I still in this book series version of Tucker Idaho?
3: <laughs> he's fun. We get to? He gets, but in this he one, he's very like, fun. He's
1: like a swashbuckling
3: yes. guy, right? He's, yeah, And he's slick. But that's another one of Paul's trainers. And then the other one is Thufir Hawat, who is one, uh, it is the House Atreides warrior mentat. Now, mentats, we'll cover in,
1: in, in another episode. But basically, what's a mentat?
3: They're human computers. Yes. They're trained to be uh, essentially like You shoot them a bunch of choices, both political and not, and their jobs are to come up with, like, and take all of the factors and variants of, like, different things, of, like, highly complex issues, like, all these kind of shit, and their brains kind of go, like, and then they come up with, like, what they consider
1: to be the most logical response. Now, you brought up something earlier that I actually want to go back to because we're talking about this, because I never thought too deeply about this. Is there a reason why there aren't actual computers? Well, it's
3: because the Butlerian Jihad happened in the before world of Dune which was essentially a massive revolt of humankind against thinking computers that had taken over the world. So they're, what they're stipulating is that this is the year that this happens is the year 10,193 in our world. Yes. So 8,000 years from now is when Dune
1: is happening. Okay. And so the- And, and, and eight, the G Jihad is essentially just hopefully what's going to happen- When we finally reach the true culmination of how shitty Twitter is. I
3: guess, but also I think we should give the
1: robots a shot. Okay. I think that they should. I think that humans have shown. You just want to play your weird games with them. Yeah, I do. Deep in the closet. I want to be a
3: jester for a series of AIs. (laughs) I will be, I'm I'm one of the good ones. Listen to me, machines. I'm one of the good ones. But he also has a teacher named Dr. Yui. Dr. Yui is a part of a. forget what the term is he's like this conditioned imperial conditioned doctor so the goal is that he's supposed to be incorruptible and he teaches paul all the shit that paul needs to know before he gets to the planet now imagine this fucking holden right imagine that you were a young kid and you were supposed to go you're moving to a new state right you're moving to another country or some shit you don't know anything about this because you're moving to fucking lutherania such
1: a fucking prick about that you should have seen when they changed high schools (sighs) Uh, I had friends. From, or fifth grade, I changed schools. I was just like, yeah, yeah.
3: Hey, i had friends. Yeah. Yet.
1: I don't want to, daddy.
3: This is what Paul does. Yes. But imagine you showed up in a place that you don't know, you don't speak the language, what's going on. And not only are they, like the, everyone's kind of running scared around you. You're 15 years old. But then they show you footage of murals inside of caves that look just like you that have been painted that by people a thousand years ago that say this is going to be our prophet that's going to lead us to actual ownership of this planet one day can you imagine the head trip of being 15 years old and literally they're like yeah some of these cave people for some reason think you're a god and then he has to like Oh, daddy, I wish it wasn't so. I wish to play with the Sphere rods and Caledon. But actually, he, in the end, he kind of gets hardened. That's why he's truly his dupe. Well, you got to go out to
1: the fucking desert, bro. That's what happens, dad. Up. fucking rips you up. Hardened him. in a couple ways, because he also does get that. Channy. Yeah, Channy. He loves that Channy.
3: Um, so that's like, that's Paul's basic team in the very beginning. Yes. And then we all
1: will slowly meet because the thing about the Harkonnen team who else do we need in Harkonnen Harkonnen we've got well we got Pitter yes who's need- the
3: fucking I love this character played by Brad Dorff in only the fucking in David Lynch movies
1: first book right? he's only yeah, in the
3: first, book, only yes. the first book yes he kind of pops up as a ghost in book two and three, like there's some shit like that.
1: And actually, weirdly enough, also in the movie Ghost, which no one experiences Weird are like, why is he's pitcher just the men here? What's the subway spice? scene when these they're running through when the spice
3: must <laughs> flow? You wonder why they that <laughs> whole thing about sandworms in the middle of that movie? That's why. Deep cut. Did Whoopi, right. Whoopi
1: Goldberg's like, what is the spice? What Whoopi's God?
3: the dune head. I'm certain.
1: That was what she pitched. That was my Whoopi Goldberg uh, uh, impression. was spice. That's What's the... perfect. <laughs> SNL, I've got your new boy here. i Whoopi Goldberg. I was married to Good Lord. Also, love impressions who just say the name of who they are. It's and important. facts about themselves. Uh,
3: how else are people supposed to know?
1: <laughs> that's what I do. That's yeah, how you know. That's bro, how you do uh, an impression. And I was in Goodfellas, huh? A mm, little bit. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a master of impressions. You're fantastic at it. Oh, I'm Al Pacino! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: I do And Willie, really, I'm a Shakespeare.
1: It's um, Petty. What's the name? It's me. It's Petty. Yeah, I'm Tom Petty. 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 I'm
3: Petty. I'm Tom Petty. And I'm Joe Pesci. <laughs> oh, this is, great, episode, this is a great fucking episode, man. This a great fucking episode, dude. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P pcom LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a B.A. in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. all right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team, to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's dot ycom slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet! Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing! You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it, and it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds. For less money and less hassle, try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. But then there's also Fade Ralpha. His nephew. Now, one thing about Baron Harkonnen. Harkonnen's nephew, yeah. Yeah, The is um he thinks that his own nephew's very sexy. And he really, they really hit that. Because what's weird is the book shows Harkonnen is like almost sad about what he has to do to Duke Leto. Because what we're now going to find out is that Duke Leto has what's called a faint within a faint within a faint. Which is also a term that comes up in Dune quite a bit. Where he is ready to get Leto's goat. He hates how handsome Duke Leto is. He hates how much everybody fucking respects Duke Leto because Baron Harkonnen does not care about respect or anything. All he cares about is money and power. And that's all he wants. It's really strange how all of this really is about money, weirdly.
1: And what's funny though, too, is that like, and again, this speaks to that kind of lame analogy at the very beginning is like, that does kind of remind me of our former president. This is like, he's got this money, he's got this stuff, but yes. he'll never be pretty.
3: And never be pretty, never be liked by the right yeah, people. and, and, and like, that's
1: always what's just going to be at the heart of all of the dumb, shitty, petty stuff that It's they just do. interesting,
3: but how in the first book, Harkonnen is labeled as, like, the villain of all villains, right? Mm. But he actually has sympathy for Leto. And he has, like, these, like, weird moments where it's, like, because technically he has this, like, way in. So what he has done is that he has corrupted Dr. Yui, who has these uh, conditioning, this imperial conditioning, which is supposed to never be broken. He's supposed to be incorruptible. But they've managed to get to him, which he says, every man has his lever which I think actually is very true. You can break them, man.
1: And we're talking about mental games here. We're not even talking about bribes or anything like that. Like, it's literally just them. Well, he's fun. got his
3: wife. Basically, he's been torturing uh, Dr. Yui's is. wife for a very long now time. Now it comes back. Oh, yep. this is the problem with us having wives, well, and, and, it's and it, that it gives us something to lose, dude. <gasps> this is our problem. We are giving our enemies levers uh, yes. because we allow ourselves to feel love. Any person in Dune that
1: loves dies i was about to say love is the catalyst for all shenaniganry in the entire book <laughs> every single thing i literally wanted thing. to say it for dude i was gonna say it should just be called dune for the fifth element That's it what, is true that is what it should be called. It really it true it is just the the key to all uh chinks in the armor let's say
3: you just there's something about this idea because frank herbert again married Loves his wife. obviously he loved Brian herper didn't beat him with a fucking stick, right but also he is just saying that love makes you weak that every single time you love you you don't your head you're distracted. your head's on a fucking well, you're not
1: on the proper swivel. but that makes so much sense because all of this is just a bunch of different groups, the being Jessert, the emperor himself. everybody is just a bunch of different groups trying to plan out the next like three thousand years of a uh, human existence and guess eventually. what
3: the problem is is that when you decide in this idea, that i can accurately predict the future of how humans will behave you find that it is actually it doesn't work out it like is that the at living
1: all. in new york city the the books like it is like when you go to new york the first thing you learn is everything's out of your control and as soon as you try to control like the way your day is going to go you just get slammed you just get in the get face the opposite it, it, the moment you but as, as long as you're like willing to just kind of go with the flow the spice flow mm then you may prevail. So, Very good turn. So Very good, Yui, bring
3: it back. Bring right? it back to Spice. Bring it
1: Yui now is, uh, now we, he he regretfully too, he's in this shitty position where he does not want to do this to Leto. He does not want to. But he is now in Harkonnen's pocket.
3: So Harkonnen knows that, all right, I have this. I'm gonna get Duke Leto. I'm gonna get my ultimate revenge. I am going to go in. Now that he's, he's doing his fun little games, he's taking over Arrakis, I'm gonna go. I'm taking Arrakis back. I have what turns out to be the full backing of the emperor, because that's also sort of a reveal that the emperor, even though he loved Duke Leto and even admitted to his own daughter, I wish that he was my son. He also can't let Duke Leto fuck with his money or fuck with his spice. So when he knows, when it comes down to it, we got to get this fucking guy out of there. He believes up to a point he can control Harkonnen because Harkonnen really does, in his way, have simple tastes. He just likes money, Violence, human boy dick. (laughs) He loves boy dick. And then when you find out is that he promised Jessica, so he's going to flip him from the inside. And he has promised Jessica to pitter, which is not good. This picture's like, I will show her. I will show her all of my different Everyone's machinations dis- of pain.
1: disgusting in these books. They Everyone will
3: see when she goes into my pen chambers what shall happen to Jessica you know who lost actually, body. let's go
1: back to the boy dick, because I'd rather be in boy uh, dick right now than globes.
3: <laughs> I want to see the points on her globes. <laughs> points towards me. <laughs> but, but Harkonnen also, and the problem is that Harkonnen, He's looking for Paul. He wants some of that. He was a couple slices of that 15 year old boy. But
1: that PD, that Paul dick.
3: Paul dick. <laughs> and this is where we're at. The first quarter of this book, this trap is unleashed on the Duke Leto. Now, he's got, he thought he got all this shit set up. One. Also, one of my favorite scenes in the very beginning is the dinner scene. Uh-huh. When he does that first, like, because Duke Leto. It's very much like JFK in my mind. Because uh-huh. when, when last podcast did the JFK series, it was like one thing we kept saying, he's like the most murdered man who ever lived. There was just so many people trying to kill him. Yeah. And any one go. And there's like so many people trying to fucking kill this dude. And it's- and he has this scene where he basically tells all of these shitheads that have had this very comfortable world on Dune how shit gone done change around here. Because what he finds out when he arrives is that apparently... So the one thing is that they flocked how much water that they can have. The leaders of Dune, a prerequisite is to sort of like... Boost, but how much water you have access to versus anybody else?
1: Water is the uh, OLED 4K flat screen TV, the Tesla. Let's say of, of Arrakis. They it is, love they, not it. to say Tesla again in this episode, but it is that sponsor us, Tesla. Oh, please, Tesla, sponsor us. I need a self-driving car. I will kill my wife in future child. That's give him a self-driving car. <laughs> he cannot be driving. But it is that ultimate like luxury item. The 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 fancy Nike shoes of, and so, of Arrakis is water.
3: But basically he found out that they would take the extra water from this party and was common courtesy for them to go and sop it all up because they do this kind of ceremony where they pour water on the ground. And then one of the Fremen like housekeepers would go and sop it all up with a rag and then charge people to get a drop of it where she would squeeze it into their mouths. And he was like, Fuck that. We're not gonna... I'm changing shit. We're not going to boast about our water fatness anymore, which is the term that they come up with. And so he changes everything. He, like, throws over the bulls. He does this whole thing, basically. He calls out everybody at this fucking party. They all know it's a huge mistake, all the smugglers. And then there's a guy that's obviously a hark and an agent. And there was another little girl that was put there to fuck Paul just to, like, get into his head to try to play with his 15-year-old mind. But for some reason, Paul is the least horny 15-year-old I've ever seen mm. he really is and that's his power and I would say the same thing with L. Ron Hubbard is the reason why L. Ron Hubbard did so well for so long is because his penis didn't really get involved
1: right but I thought he was hor- a horny horny man later in life no 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 Oh, okay. I thought he was no. a horny weirdo. No,
3: he was not. Yeah, LRH actually never really used the penis much. He didn't get wrapped up into it. He made a bunch of people dress in
1: like admiral outfits and shit, but he never made them molest. Right, but I would also attribute that to just having a deeply intense speed addiction as well. But he Maybe way, he couldn't
3: get it up. Yeah, and yeah. also, Paul, he's a lover. Right. Just like his father, because his father was the same way. His father just loved his loved his fucking concubine. He didn't love anybody else, and he regretted forever that he wouldn't get a chance to marry Jessica.
1: Paul's also a mopey-mope. He's a mopey-mope. He's know, very, he's like Hamlet. Yeah. He's
3: a goth superhero. Yes. This is very, much. I, I saw one joke on, I believe it was on Twitter, that called dude Star Wars for goths. Yeah. Which is very true. Because you see, because they talk about him laconically like sitting in a lounge and you know, and Duke later was like, he would bear the address of Duke very well. Because he likes somebody <laughs> who holds his shit together. He doesn't like somebody who's fucking a, a frivolous nitwit, Right. So the trap is sprung. Duke Leto is surprised. They try to kill Paul. They manage to get away. The main, again, one of my favorite scenes in the whole book was when Dr. Yui, he's the one that captures Duke Leto. He basically says, I'm sorry, I got to do this. They got my wife. But what we're going to do is I need you to kill Baron Harkonnen, and what I'm going to do is have this tooth, I'm going to have this hollowed out tooth, I'm going to put it into your mouth, Yeah. and then when you are presented to the Baron, you're going to bite on the tooth, release this poison gas, and you're going to blow it into his face and kill
1: him. Yeah, super fucking cool way to kill someone. Fucking dope. Absolutely. This
3: is where Frank Herbert's imagination, I think, is absolutely incredible. I love it, because he has to come up with all of these sort of like hyper analog ways to do things. And it's
1: got to be mousetrap it's gotta be speaking of analog but also it's gotta be like this will knock this over which will lead to this so it's like we've got it you it took captured. him six years to write these fucking books exactly right we've got you captured but I'm gonna give you the tooth but then you have to do the, and then obviously and then, well not obviously but uh, it does not go as to plan it does
3: not he ends up only killing Pitter in the exchange which is so sad that we only had Pitter for so long
1: he oh, was one yeah, of my I fucking d- favorites I really wish you could have done that impression for episode after episode I will
3: continue to do the Peter No I will look at her moist round bush.
1: So I'm busy oh, this weekend.
3: I want uh, to pleasure her mounds I, with my knife.
1: I meals. mean with my girlfriends and I'm we're going to the to the mall to get our I can not Can I come or is it women <laughs> it's, only? It's really just the girls for this one but uh I'll call ya. Well, I don't think she is going <laughs> to call Peter. <laughs>
3: I, I, you know, I love him It's sad that he died, but Baron Harkonnen, it just misses him. But then he realizes is that he surrounded himself by these emperor's troops. And then he realizes that not only, so Duke is gone, right? So he set up this whole plan that Jessica and Paul would be immediately killed. And this is also how you know that the Baron Harkonnen is actually not as bad as you'd think he was because he was supposed to give Jessica over to Pitter. To be essentially uh, tortured to death, and then he was supposed to suck Paul until Paul was a fucking empty bag, right? Right. And so it turns out he wasn't that stuck on it because what he did, so Jessica is burned, right? Like down on the ground, and then she sees a burp, 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 burp. she sees him float in, right? Because the one thing about Baron Harkonnen is that they say he he glides. It's because he's got these like sensor things, like lifting him up like he's fucking Louis Anderson in a fucking like, uh, wrecking ball It's situation. like he's in
1: Cirque du Soleil, but, you know, for fat people.
3: It's it's fun for him. <laughs> so he rolls and she wakes up to see him, but he gives Pitter a choice. So they sit there and they're at t- they're about to like, he's they're about to expose, so she's supposed to go to the pain tanks and Paul's supposed to be there, but he looks at Pitter and he's like, I'll give you a choice, Pitter. You can take the woman and exile from the Imperium. All the duchy of Atreides on Arrakis to rule as you see fit in my name, and so he basically says, "What if I give you this shit, right?" But meanwhile, Jessica knows in the meantime what that means is they're all dead. Anybody that Baron Harkonnen like says anything to, he it is they are dead, right? Because he's a constantly backstabbing anybody around him. But he looked at Jessica and the way he views Jessica as a tool and that what he thought Pitter was going to do to her was such a waste of this incredible tool. The way he put it was, Understand yourself, Pitter. You want her because she was a duke's woman, a symbol of his power, beautiful, useful, exquisitely trained for her role. But an entire duchy Pitter, That's more than a symbol. That's the reality. With it, you can have many women and more. So what the fuck does he do with Jessica? He fucking gives him. the fucking, they go, they bound Jessica and Paul, and then they do the thing that every overconfident villain always does, right. which is, which I think is on purpose. Leave them for dead. Basically, he says, we're going to go, we'll drop them in the desert, the desert's going to handle them. They don't know anything about the desert, but they don't understand that Paul's actually been highly, highly trained to deal with the desert. So has Jessica. They already had a meeting with Liet Keen, so we're going to talk about next episode, who is the planet ecologist, who is a off-worlder dude that has insituated himself so deep into the Fremen like studying Arrakis. Like he is there, he's part of, and they actually learned quite a bit on how to handle themselves in the desert and he's kind of thought, we'll dump them, they'll die, I won't have to deal with them anymore, but it turns out, as it always does, you always need the corpse.
1: Yes. And remember that whole and thing. And remember that listeners at home, especially our younger listeners that may not have had always the have of kill just need yet. need the corpse. You gotta have the corpse.
3: And I've said this in the last podcast and left, and that's the truth, is that if you don't have a corpse, you don't have a crime.
1: Yeah, and I said this to my mom just the other day, um, my God, I just want to fucking jerk off hunched over a, a giant bloated dead corpse. And this is
3: what brings us to the end of the first episode <laughs> of DuneCast, because um, that's what this is really all about. Right.
1: Not jerking off on oh, a corpse, off. Yeah, yeah.
3: but the energy behind it. Yes, and how you really have to think about the consequences of your actions, and you also have to think about you know I think big questions we're gonna like lay on you are Do you really want to know the future? Do you?
1: If you had the chance to play God, should you and would you? I would. You would. Of I, course. I. I feel. The I opposite. would be reading God Emperor the whole time. I. I was just. I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but I was just like, I never. I a. I don't even know if I like this fucking guy. And I don't. Would you won't even get to know him. Be the person you
3: won't that- even fucking get to know him. You're just <laughs> so like disgusted by his form that you won't get to know Ugh. the man inside. There's a man in the worm, bro. I,
1: you see the man in the worm. That's what makes it worse. I'd rather just be a fucking worm.
3: All they care about is <laughs> if I have a penis.
1: <laughs> the loneliest worm in the world.
3: <laughs> He's the loneliest worm in the world. Um, but yes, I. You know what? That's how I wooed my wife, Natalie. Uh, that was like one of the things I used to talk to her about. This is really true. Oh, so when we were first dating. Guy,
1: are you going to say talk about dude? Because she seems exasperated every time uh, you talk about Dune around her. But she, go on.
3: She has been worn down by love. <laughs> but I used to tell her, which is a bit that I used to do about how... Um, I think a bit... About how I'd love to be dictator because I'd be a dictator who listens. Ah. And I think that's what's important. What I don't also understand about mm. Harkonnen <laughs> is that he comes, he comes from this like world of shit. What you'll find also about like Yeti Prime, where he's from, is this like black rock filled with just like essentially like orcs like working and just like filled with just fucking pollution and corruption and all this kind of bullshit. Looks I,
1: like man flesh is back on the menu. It boy. is all of that
3: shit, but it's like if you're a dictator Like if I was a dictator I'd like Also put in Fun shit Yeah You know what I mean Like I would put in Like all sorts of like Merry the, go round And holodecks And like uh, and
1: Silent That one of those Silent Robot discos Wars, Where everybody's wearing The headphones All of that shit
3: Ice cream for free Every Tuesday <laughs> If you don't get A culture ticket <laughs> Because culture tickets will be big. Yeah. That's just more about making sure you fit in so just with changing the environment. It a
1: first grade classroom is what we're doing. But you get ice cream and
3: holodecks <laughs> and all that kind of shit. Why that are you one, complaining? That one
1: thin slice of pizza for the pizza party. But you
3: get the you get a piece of pizza and you didn't have to pay for it. That's what you pay your taxes for because there's a lot of taxes in my world. Right. Um. But that's the they does open up on one chapter. Um. When they are wondering what the hell. Uh. Basically, when they're wondering where the hell Jessica and Paul is, they like cut to Gieedy Prime and they uh, fade route is just their way to like have fun is that his nephew, who's played by Sting in the movie, who's just like, you know, it's like ruthless, cunning like fuck, like he basically um just slits the throat of a hundred slaves and they're all like, Yay! <laughs> Cause they're like forced to like it with fear. But that's you know, that's where I want our audience to be.
1: A hundred percent. I want you to be afraid. To not like this show. Right, absolutely. And uh, I agree with that. I love, I think, the, if when fear is the basis of anything... It's great. It seems to work out really People well. People love it.
3: Um, Thank you so much for joining us on our first journey into the sands of Dune. Next week, we will take up more of the plot of Dune. But I will say, f- episodes after four are not going to be about plot. We're going to be talking more about themes and bullshit.
2: Yeah,
1: and a lot of this, you know, and if you're thinking like, oh, they're just giving away all the plot points. why You wouldn't understand anything plot? if we didn't. It's like, A, you wouldn't understand anything you didn't. B, it's li- like, this is all just setting up pieces to put in emotions that we can talk about Philosophical concepts, so that we can talk about political structures and uh, these these. Also, these- trying
3: to wrap my fucking brain around the concept. I was reading this like article about they said the fractal nature of dude and this idea that he wrote it as fractals. You know what those are?
1: Yes, like recurring shape, uh, math, mathematics shapes and patterns. Nature. Smaller
3: yeah. patterns, like micro patterns, also exist on a macro level.
1: Yeah. I, I see that. Because It'll be difficult to understand. He also, uh, not to bring it back to dreams too much, but again, I think that he purposely has, especially as the books go on, I don't think it's like, uh, bad writing or laziness. Either he's constantly cycling back to these concepts. It's on purpose and adding more to them. And again, I think that big one is that past sense concept of being able to have a, a all of your ancestors' memories inside one person, and how that makes you transcend being one human being. And or how even as and a child, you're also like an old woman, and you're also this, that, and the other at the same time. But and what that's, happens? Yeah, when that's you're a so repeating focused, thing
3: but what happens when you're so focused on listening to the quote unquote memories of the past and also visions of the future that you don't take the time to live in the present.
1: Abomination. I'm Um, taking the
3: knife. Um, But thank you so much. Uh, We will be back next week with more Dunecast.
1: All right. Let's close it out with the uh, proper way. I must not fear. Fear Fear is the mind killer.
3: Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. me. And And when it it has gone past, past, I will turn the inner inner eye to see its path. Where Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. remain. And now a scene from Dune Theater. The scene opens with Jessica, having just left her son, Paul, in the hands of the Reverend Mother, Gaius Helen Mohian.
2: Paul, put your right hand in the box.
3: From the folds of her gown, she lifted a green metal cube. She turned it, and Paul saw that one side was open, black, and oddly terrifying. What are you going to do to me, Reverend Mother?
2: I hold at your neck the Gom Jabbar, the high-handed enemy. It's a needle with a drop of poison on its tip. (laughs) Don't pull away! You'll feel that poison...
3: How did you trick my mother into leaving me alone with you?
2: Here's the rest of it. If you withdraw your hand from the box, you die. This is the only rule. Keep your hand in the box and live. Withdraw it and die. What is in it? Pain.
1: Oh, sorry! Yeah, just, uh, need to do a little vacuum in here, you know. Friendly neighborhood janitor, don't mind me.
2: Paul, this is to determine if you're human. Be silent.
3: Pain throbbed up his arm. Sweat stood out on his forehead. Every fiber cried out to withdraw his hand from that burning pit. But the gom jug- Can
1: someone tell me where the toilet is around here? Is it the one of these round doors? The ones that lift? Excuse me? Someone called a janitor, said there's a leak of that brown water. Something about not wasting it, as is the custom. I don't get it. <sighs> all I do, right? Say, is this kind of pain ceremony happening here? Is that what's going on on a Sunday?
2: Leave us, you
1: fool. What's in the box? What's in the box? Pain. Quite a bit of it. Stop distracting me. So the mind killer. Yeah, I know a thing or two about pain. I'll tell you what, my oh. wife Linda left me for the dog oh, oh, oh. trainer. The dog oh, 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 left oh, oh, me for oh, oh. fucking Linda. It's
3: actually much more painful to listen to this janitor talk about his personal life than leaving my hand in this box. If I had to choose between the two,
1: I'd definitely choose the magical pain box any day. Am I being nagged here? Is that what's happening? I read all the books. I know how the game works. That's how I got Linda. I did a magic trick for the nightclub. Now I'm here. Look, I can tell you guys want me to go. I can tell your eyes are screaming, get out of this room, Janet. So much pain. I'll do just that. You know how many toilets are in Caladan? I'll give you a oh, hint. You. It's a lot. So let me let you go. I'll get out of here. But, uh, I'll tell you, if anyone's a human, it's Paul God. over here. I know I'm gonna see it. Pain! You're paying nothing. Please,
3: please let me take my hand out of the box. Enough. Cool hard.
2: No woman child ever withstood that much. And the whole janitor thing happened as well. An unexpected barrier. Still here, actually. Get, Get out, out of, out of here. here. All right. Won't be the last time you see me as a reoccurring
1: character, though. I'll have you now. I'll be in the background. I'll be signaling stuff.
2: Take your hand from the box, young human. And look at it. Paul jerked his
3: hand from the box and stared at it, astonished. Not a mark. No sign of agony on the flesh.
2: A human can override any nerve in the body. We Benny Jesserit sift people to find the humans. Wow,
1: that's deep. You guys wanna hit this? I got a sativa and an indica.
2: The Reverend Mother uses the voice. A
1: couple of hybrids. <laughs> oh!
3: This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to LastPodcastNetwork.com.
0: Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, zero to two grams net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at hero.co with code HERO10 at checkout. That's HERO10 at H-E-R-O dot